Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight. We are going to discuss the weekend at Dover. There was five races in NASCAR's three top divisions, two Xfinity, two Cup, and, of course, a truck race on Friday. We'll discuss all that. Plus the controversy at Indy. Should the race have ended under yellow? Was it the right call? Takuma Sato won his second Indianapolis 500. We'll discuss that a little bit. And also, of course, we got silly season news. Corey LaJoy out Echo Fast Racing. Where does he end up for 2021? Plus, we'll discuss who might be an option for the number 32 car. And, of course, you got this weekend at Daytona. It's going to be a wild, wild weekend. You want to discuss anything here on Talking Circles? Give us a call. The number is uh, 917-889-8280 here tonight. As we bring you Talking in Circles, let's get right to it, guys. Uh, it was a doubleheader weekend from Dover International Speedway for both Cup and Xfinity. We'll start with the Cup Series races first. Saturday race was a 1-2-3 finish for Joe Gibbs Racing with Denny Hamlin leading 115 laps. Martin Truex Jr. finished second, and Kyle Busch was third. Uh, Kevin Harvick fourth, and Chase Elliott fifth. Um, and then on Sunday, the following day, you know, you you look at that race, and it was a race pretty much dominated by Kevin Harvick. Truex, another good run, second-place run there. Jimmy Johnson finished third, uh, William Byron fourth, and Alex Bowman fifth. And, you know, with these back-to-back races, it's hard to, to kind of break them down one by one because you get the races confused. So I want to kind of take the whole weekend as a whole. And I'll start with you, Philip Matthew. Um, this was another weekend where we see pretty much the two guys who have been dominant all season long continue their dominance. Absolutely, Clayton. I mean, we've gotten used to it. It's very, they use the big three and for years and for a while, like last year, you had all the Toyota, the three Gibbs Toyotas, but this year it's been Harvick and Hamlin and, you know, no, no big change this weekend. They, even with the 750 package at Dover, which actually helped uh, looser race cars, they both got out front, dominated, and uh, it's gonna it, unless you know some craziness happens. Those two guys are gonna be battling at Phoenix for this championship, which is how you want it at the end of the day. Uh, you know the Gibbs guys, the eleven and the I mean the eighteen and the nineteen uh, ran well on Saturday. The nineteen ran well both days at one of his seven home tracks, and. You know, you, you got a little Stuart Haas action, you know, had some flashes. Hendrick actually didn't have, or at least certain members of Hendrick's team had their moments over both days. So it, it's, uh, it, it was definitely a good uh, weekend. I, we've, it fit the narrative that we've had for most of this year about the two big time drivers and then, the guys like Gibbs and Stuart Haas and even Penske, you know, those are the ones that are right there. And that really hasn't changed. Uh, and I don't think even with them running at Daytona this weekend, that'll make any big difference either. Yeah. It's going to be wild to see what happens at Daytona this weekend, because Daytona is always such a crapshoot. The last regular season race of the season, the last regular season race, this year for the first time ever. They've moved this race, obviously, from July, and it broke my heart when they did that, but it's certainly going to add some drama here 
at the end of the regular season. Uh, to me, the big story of the weekend, I'll get Spencer's take on it too here in a second, but the big story of the weekend was the playoffs because of the fact that Daytona is on the horizon and anything can happen there. There's so much unpredictability there that, you know, these guys had to try and get as many points as they possibly could, and there were so many drivers who, you know, uh, helped, benefited from this weekend at Dover. Then there were some drivers who really struggled this weekend. And, and Spencer, that's where I'm going to lead you to here. Uh, you know, when, when you look at a guy like um, Matt Benedetto, I mean, I, I love Matt Benedetto. I, I, I think he's a very good race car driver. But unfortunately, this weekend, he just didn't do enough. Um, and now he finds himself in an opportunity where if he has some trouble at Daytona, he could be out of the playoffs. And this 21 car has been in the playoffs pretty much all year long. They've been pretty solidly in the playoff hunt. And, you know, they've kind of faded here recently. A 17th and a 20th place run at Dover, uh, it certainly didn't do Matthew Mandetto any favor, Spencer Cowan. Yeah, no, this is not the time of the year where you want to be um... – I'm not saying he was lollygagging, but I guess another word would be choke. You know, um, you know, when you're going into a double header and you know you got three races left before the playoffs and two of them are in one week, um, and then going to Daytona. I mean, Daytona is like, you know, you can't even count it as a, a you know like a normal race. You know, you like you guys mentioned and everybody knows it's a NASCAR fan. Anything can happen at Daytona. Um, you know, I I don't wish this upon him, but you know you can be up in third and some guy hooks you and you're done and you're out of the playoffs. He's only plus nine. And that's, um, you know, with him starting on the pole yesterday, um, you would have thought that they would have been able to, you know, stay up there pretty much all day. Um, and that wasn't the case. And, you know, like you mentioned, they've been pretty solid, not great, not bad. They've been solid all year. And, you know, you're going into the, like I said, a weekend where there's two races, you have to be on your game. Um, because like I said, you know, Daytona, anything can happen. It's not like he's going to Bristol. Oh, he, he runs really good. Um, he has some good, good on his side. The 21 cars strong at Daytona. Um, all Penske cars are, um, Blaney always did a hell of a job in that 21 car. And, um, I feel like Matty D is one of those guys. He keeps running these plate races. He's going to get extremely good. Um, I don't know. I just get that vibe from him. So he needs to stay out of trouble. He needs to be clean. He needs to win you know, be in the top 10 at each stage. and um, But a little bit of a disappointment of performance. Um, not that they ran terrible, but they needed to run better um, at Dover, and they would have been in a lot better position. Um, and plus nine is that you need more. And I think the biggest fault and the biggest problem with the 21 all weekend, and I'm not sure how many people really take this into consideration, is stage points. They weren't up there at all in the top ten and getting collecting the stage points that they really needed all weekend long. And, and you know, you go to a guy who is chasing you down, who's Mr. Dover, uh, and Jimmy Johnson, and one of the guys chasing down it. And, and, Philip, that's where I'm going to lead you. You know, Hendrick Motorsports, you talked about him. They had a, a pretty good day on Saturday when you look at where they finished. Uh, Chase Elliott had a good day. He finished fifth. Jimmy Johnson, uh, seventh. And then you had, you know, Bowman gotten into a little problem earlier. But the, the, the big thing with Hendrick was just how off William Byron was in, on Saturday's race. But what I love about these races, these back-to-back doubleheader weekends, is that if you've got a driver and a crew chief who can work together and communicate and figure out what happened to their car on Saturday, 
it can benefit you for the Sunday race or the second race, wherever, whatever day it is. And that certainly seemed to happen for William Byron, uh, uh, a very, very disappointing um, finish on Saturday. They were totally out to lunch, 28th spot they finished. We heard Chad Knauss and William Byron really get animated on the radio. Uh, it, got, it got pretty ugly to where it seemed like the Hendrick Motorsports booth that's in there on NBC was sort of trying to, to put up, put down every fire there, extinguish every fire that was potentially there. But they go out on Sunday, run in the top five, top ten all day long, finish in the fourth spot, um, a very, very good and recovery day for William Byron because he could not have uh, the race he had even close to the race he had on Saturday, Philip, or he would be in big trouble. Right now he's only four points to the good, but it's a lot better than where he would have been had he had a struggle on Saturday. So a nice recovery for William Byron and a guy who really needed it right there on the, on the back end of the point standings. Yeah, Byron's Saturday and Chad Canals losing it, it, it was something. But And you're right about the Hendrick Motorsports booth with all them all the apologists they have up there, especially uh, Latart. But for that recovery drive, that's probably one of the best, if not the best drive that Byron's had in his cup career. And he's run nearly 100 races. And uh, it's only a six top five. And to go and get that run when he needed it and be right behind seven-time champion guy who's won 83 races and 11 at that racetrack was a big-time deal. And he's going to have to have a similar run again on Saturday night to guarantee himself really uh, in there. I mean, now because of Benedetto's uh, awful weekend and really bad couple of months now he went from being solid points wise he's just been leaking points every single race and now it's three drivers it's three drivers for two spots under the pretense that one of the drivers that has already won will win again if if somebody from outside whether it's oh richard and the 47 car or eric jones or chris bell or excuse me tyler reddick amongst other people that could get out there, you know, Ryan Newman was, they've shown it about 8 trillion times by now was a few hundred uh, yards away from winning his second Daytona 500. And that was the highlight of his year until, you know, he got what happened to him. And then Matt Kenseth, who has been absolutely nowhere is a a two-time Daytona 500 winner. And uh, if they decide they're going to go and put the – because Kurt Busch is already in, they try to push the 42 and try to get him into the play. That could go and switch this thing all and in, in make it crazy. And Hendrick Motorsports has a real problem there because it's a high likelihood at least one of them could miss the playoffs if not both of them uh, under that logic. So uh, it, it, for, for Hendrick, they got two cars in. They want to get Jimmy Johnson in his final year to not make the playoffs would be really disappointing. He's run better than at times than being 16th, 17th in points, uh, but he's had a lot of mistakes that he never would have made pre-2017 or whatever. And Will Byron is going to have a lot of pressure on him. He's playing it off as though he doesn't have any pressure. I, it explains certain things about him and – Maybe why you know he's so great in a sim, but you know he's not been as amazing in a in a cup car. 
I know D. Benedetto is definitely going to be stressing, and uh, he needs to show up too. I it's why I feel like Jimmy Johnson's working with House of Money, even though it's Daytona, even though it's never been one of his better racetracks. He's working with House of Money on Saturday night to go and uh, get himself in, whether it's through a win or through you know just pointing his way in. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, you know, and again, I, I was very highly critical of them moving this July, this race from July 4th because I feel like the tradition and everything that happens yeah. with this race was was just so great. But I'll say this, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys who are really, really desperate to win. Even you talked about Ryan Newman, even his teammate Chris Buescher, who, you know, last time when they ran a, a, at Daytona on the road course finished fifth. But, you know, Buescher hasn't had a great year this year. They're going to try and get in there. You know, he ran really good at Talladega, ran really good at Daytona in the 500. So he could try and get in. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick, who's had a great season so far, he could get – there's going to be a lot of drivers who are on that – sort of that edge that are really going to need it. And then you got Di Benedetto who's going to need to run for points. Jimmy Johnson is going to try and get as many points as possible. So there, there certainly may be drivers who – Kevin Harvick famously does this – who goes to the rear and kind of hangs out for two-thirds of the race – and then all of a sudden, you know, that last third of the race comes up and starts to be a player, pretty much like the Dale, we call it the Dale Jarrett uh, style of racing on super speedways. But, you know, I think that's what, what these guys are certainly doing. And, I, and um, there's going to be some guys who, who will do that this weekend, but the guys who are really in the conversation, the guys we're really looking at are really going to have to run good. Uh, even Cliff Boyd, I know 57 points is, is a lot, and he'll probably be okay after stage one on his points. And once he does that, he'll probably go to the rear, but – you know, and you bring up a good point, Philip. There's going to be might be guys in, in, in Kurt Busch or other people on, on a team. There might be team orders where they sit there and go, listen, push our guys to the front. Do this. Do that. And, um, you know, I don't care what, you know, Rick Hendrick might say, listen, I don't care what happens with Chase Elliott or Alex Bowman. Don't let anybody get around Jimmy Johnson. You just stick, stick around Jimmy Johnson. Stay on Jimmy Johnson all day long. We want to push that 48 uh, or the 24 to the victory, it doesn't matter which one, because we'll get in on points. But there's so much unpredictability here at Daytona as well. So it's going to be fascinating to see here on, on Saturday night at the Daytona International Speedway. Um, really, uh, Spencer, I want to get your opinion on this. What, who, who this season so far, you know, um, is there somebody who stands out to you that, that's currently, you know, outside the playoffs that you thought would be a little bit better than what they've ha- done so far? I guess what I'm saying is, you know, who if, if they could salvage their season at Daytona, who really needs to do that um, just because of how, how much they've struggled so far this year? Oh, man. Uh, I would probably have to go with Eric Jones um, just because with the organization he's with and Joe Gibbs, they're definitely not slouchers, and they definitely know how to find their way to victory lane, and it's arguably one of the best teams in NASCAR today. Um, and he's a he's not a bad driver. He really is a good driver. He's a talented race car driver. He got his job because he beat Kyle Busch. Um, you know, he did phenomenal in the truck series. Um, and then he was not a slouch in the Xfinity series either. So you get to the Cup series, and yes, competition is a lot harder. But um, if there was a guy that could turn it around and lock himself into the playoffs by winning at Daytona, it would probably be Eric Jones. Um, you know, he won there. 2018, I believe it was. Um, yep. So, 
based off, you know, the kind of driver he is and the organization he's with, you, I would expect, I don't know about you, um, I'm sure you guys would, better performance. Um, you know, he definitely knows how to get around racetracks. See, I feel like he's the type of guy that just has a lot of bad luck. Blows a tire, brakes go out, brakes get hot, blows a tire, just anything, everything goes wrong with him, um, it seems like. And um, unfortunately, he's not going to be in that car next year, and he's going to have a ride. Um, and he'll find one, but that's the guy that I think um, needs to make the playoffs just to kind of secure a spot for next year and, you know, open a little bit more eyes. And it's funny you say that because, you know, Jones, you know, I talked about the one, two, three finish for Hendrick Motorsport, or excuse me, for Joe Gibbs Racing on Saturday. And uh, I'm thinking I got Hendrick on the brain because we're talking about Jones, but in his future. Anyway, uh, but, you know, he finished 12th, but he got involved into an accident early in that race, you know, with, with Kurt Busch, um, he, you know, just, just a little bit of an accident. And unfortunately, it caused some damage on his car, and he was never really ha- able to handle the car all that great. And, you know, he finished 12th because then who knows what would happen. Maybe he could have, you know, gotten a little bit more points, maybe even stage points uh, from that event. So, um, you know, you never know with Eric Jones. But how about you, Philip? I mean, Again, this is such a wild card race, uh, such a, a race where you look at it and you say, man, so many guys can win. I mean, who do you think really needs to salvage their season uh, as far as you say, man, they really had a terrible year or just bad luck year, but can salvage their season and really and really get into the playoffs here at Daytona? Who do you think has got the best shot to do that? I mean, in terms of best shot to do it, I, I think what, Spencer said with Eric Jones with his previous uh, experience winning there in this particular race and also winning the clash uh, with this whole entire front end knocked off uh, earlier in February is one. I think the other one that is probably the, the most likely is, is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. The guy has made his name, uh, being a plate or super speedway racer as uh, his two cup wins have been on super speedways, including this race in 17 for Roush, both of those wins. Uh, he was within inches of winning at Talladega and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And it would definitely have the points and an even bigger uh, problem for the likes of Di Benedetto, Byron Johnson. But your Stenhouse qualified on pole on merit for the Daytona 500, and he ran up front on merit until whatever it was. I think Almirola or whoever had gotten a wreck or something uh, there in one of the 18 wrecks they had in that race. So Stenhouse is a guy who that team has had a nightmare season, honestly. The 37 we're going to probably be talking about here in a moment. Uh, the, there's there's a whole lot of change coming along for JTG Doherty, but they could salvage their season and back into the playoffs and really flip it on its lid. There are going to be one and done, one round and done, but Stenhouse, I think, is probably the best outside of best chance outside of Eric Jones to possibly win and, and, and steal a spot in, in this playoff. Yeah, for sure, and uh, I think Di Benedetto is going to be up there too. He's got a pen, you know, that's, that's a Penske car, pretty much. All three of his teammates are locked into the playoffs, so they're going to be helping him a lot 
uh, on Sunday, Saturday night as well at Daytona. So keep that in mind as we move forward here. Uh, a lot to get to, guys. There's certainly a lot to get to. And I want to touch on this, and, and Philip, I'm sure you're going to be talking about this a lot on your show, but it was really interesting. And I don't want to get too deep in, into, into the analysis, analysis of this, but we can sort of have an NASCAR tie into it. We'll get Spencer's opinion on it as well. But how about the Indianapolis 500 uh, on sun, yesterday on Sunday? Um, Takuma Sato wins his second career Indianapolis 500 victory. Uh, held off Scott Dixon, but a major accident at the end of that race with about three to go, and they never got it going again, and the race ends under caution. Um, I'm a purist, Philip. I'm not one of those guys who, and, and I know this, I'm a very, very minority on this. I'm not one of those guys who needs to see a race finish under the green flag conditions, but I also feel like there should be, if you're going to end your races under caution, you should run back to the checkered fo- to, to the stripe. Um, and to me, I think people would accept it a little bit better. But what were your thoughts on, on ending that race on the caution? I know there was a, 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 the tire barrier sort of kicked out there, and they would have to fit, repair that. There was a driver who um, looked like he was injured and, and could have been taken a little bit while to have medical assistance. So it would have been a little bit while before they got going again. But a lot of people felt they should have red flagged the race and then continued it. Um, and, and let Dixon sort of have a shot at it as he could. Scott Dixon couldn't pass to Kumasada at the end of that race there as in another caution. What were your thoughts on the finish there for Indianapolis? Yeah, I was. my initial reaction was, why didn't they uh, put out a red flag? They've red flagged this race in recent years uh, for, for wrecks or different things, and you could also make the argument now with COVID that there's even less people uh, that they have, even though the the safety team and the the, the medical team, everybody with IndyCar is the best period that exists, I think, in in all of motorsports, even more than Formula One. And Spencer Piggott, I think, was knocked out, um, at least temporarily. It looks like it. You know, he's beat up. He hit the attenuator and basically destroyed it. And that was really the thing. The race starting as late as it did, uh, for whatever reason it was, because NBC, I guess, the uh, the attenuator getting destroyed and them having to rebuild it, which was probably going to take an hour or hour and a half, based on what things have been have been written since, and Piggott's condition where they had to take him out of the car, lay him down on the ground. All those things came into play. They didn't. They only got the yellow with coming to four to go they had already driven around for two laps so they were already screwed like if they would have had to have literally thrown a red flag right then and there stopped everything as though it was five to go they would have had to go and warm up the cars it it worked out the way it was going to work out in that sense uh i mean initial my initial reaction was yeah they should have red flagged it but when you saw the damage saw the condition of spencer pickett and time because of TV, there was no way that it was feasible or, or logical to go and put uh, the race back uh, going for, get the race back going for what would amounted to maybe a one lap shootout akin to 1986. But even in 86, I wasn't under a red flag. That was a continued yellow and they got back on for one lap to go when Bobby Rahal won over uh, Coogan. 
And you're going to talk about that, Philip, on your Crypt Strip podcast. Just let us know where uh, we can hear that and what day that is quick before we move on. Yeah, we'll uh, be doing the Indy 500 recap uh, tomorrow night. And uh, that you can find us on Podbean. You can find us on a lot of different places. We've got distributed right now, Stitcher, and uh, we'll uh, – I have to go back over here, but we're on a bunch of different sites. You can go and find us, uh, myself and Josh are fine, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, we'll have that out later, probably around Wednesday, uh, along with some other uh, more uh, well-known podcasts that deal with IndyCar only, but uh, we'll have uh, Josh, myself, and Spencer Neff for IndyCar 1909 com on there. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, go and chill there for a second. Yeah, no, yeah, we we uh, we won't go into too much detail about the Indianapolis 500, but I find that race fascinating. I always have. Uh, but Spencer, I want to get your opinion on this. I mean, we're coming up into a race at Daytona, which is famously, and it seems like every time we go there, there's always a, a late race accident, and uh, you know we we seem to always go we go into overtime a lot there, and you know if if it was IndyCar, it would be sort of a different mentality where they wouldn't restart these races a little bit later than what they do at Daytona, where, you know, we might stop the race. We want to – NASCAR tries to ensure that the fans see a green finish. Now, you're going to be at the race on Saturday. Uh, what would your opinion be if, if they said, you know what, we're not going to – we're going to let this race finish under caution – um, you know, when there was an exciting battle going on, a wreck happened behind them, and, you know, the race ended in a caution. What would your opinion be about that, Spencer? Um, yeah, it just uh, it depends on the situation, really. Um, for an example, say, you know, Ryan Newman's accident in Daytona 500 happened with three to go, four to go. Um, with how severe that crash was and how um, – you know how a lot of people thought he was dead. I mean, let's be honest. Um, he, therefore, I think it would come time to, you know, just there's four laps to go, um, and NASCAR is such a tight knit. Um, you know, you got forty, thirty nine other drivers that still have to race with four to go, and they're not knowing if they're, you know, one of their peers is, you know, dead or alive. So, at that point, I think it's smart to just say, hey, race is over. You know, sorry. And I think drivers would understand, you know, one of their peers is severely hurt and um, safety comes first among all other things. But if then you just have a generic, you know, accident on the front where they can clean it up, driver's okay, or, you know, he goes to the infield care center, they announce he's okay immediately, you know, then, you know, run the race under green. Let's get it. You know, the fans come to watch a race under yellow. I mean, under green, sorry. Um so, yeah, it really just depends on the situation. Um, but, you know, with what happened at the Indy 500, you know, he hit the thing and, you know, he's hurt. Um, you know, with only that many laps to go, um, it's probably best that you just say, hey, you know, let's finish the race. It's over. And, you know, a guy's badly hurt. So a lot of the drivers, they understand, um, you know, safety is first. You know, it, you can get hurt very easily. Well, not very easily, but you, there's a chance that you can get hurt and, you know, and they show up to the racetrack knowing there's a chance they can get hurt. So um just depends on the situation. Yeah, for sure. I think everybody would agree with that. Uh, it's just such a different mentality, and, and it's going to be very interesting. 
Um, you know, if that goes into a green-white check, checkered finish for for NASCAR this weekend, uh, how many people are going to be saying, well, we should have done that for the Indy 500 now? I feel like with how popular NASCAR is and how many times we've seen it and how frequently we've seen it, I mean, we've been doing green-white checkers for 15 years now. Uh, I think people sort of come to expect it, where maybe 15 years ago that finish, what we saw um, yesterday at Indianapolis, would have been a little bit more accepted 15 years ago because people were like, okay. But, again, I always feel like if you're going to end your race under caution, they should run back to the stripe to where the driver in second, where to me Dixon would have known when I get to that start finish line, there's a potential for me to, you know, that that would be the uh, potential potential for that race to be over now, with what happened with with the tires in the way, with the car where it was, you know, right at the end of pit road there. It's a damn good thing they didn't run back to the yellow, uh, but and that's why that rule is instituted now. We have the technology to to put it there, but um, you know, I always feel like drivers could use their heads a little bit, you know, when we get around to caution. But anyway. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the reaction is um, from everybody. You know, if if NASCAR gets into a green-white checkered situation here uh, on Saturday night, nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here tonight in Boston Circles. You want to discuss anything from uh, Dover, or you want to talk talk about the finish of Indianapolis? We're here for you tonight on Talking Circles. Moving on, uh, I want to get to the Xfinity Series races, both of them. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. Again, they were dried in 200, 200 lap races for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Saturday, Phillip, it was a race. Uh, I wouldn't say surprise winner because every time we go to Dover, Justin Allgaier is a guy a lot of people circle and say, oh, he's going to be really good. He's good at Dover. Um, but he hadn't won all year. It's been a long time since we saw Allgaier in victory lane. Uh, so little Gator goes out there, uh, leads 120 laps, does a really nice job, beats Austin Sindrick, who's been pretty much unbeatable lately. And, and wins uh, the Saturday race. A feel-good story. It, it was a tough week for Allgaier. He admitted it. You know, in victory lane, he's, you know, with Twitter and all the haters, he said uh, in victory lane there, he was not happy with what happened with A.J. Allmendinger the week before and, you know, got a lot of backlash on Twitter about it, and he wasn't too happy about that. So for him to go out there on Saturday and pull off a victory, it was a big win for him and a big win for that 17. And right now, they're, to me, they're going to need to do more to be considered a championship contender. But uh, – certainly has to feel pretty good for Justin Allgaier. Oh, absolutely. For Allgaier and that organization, they've, the nine team has won a few races, but they're definitely inconsistent. And then you get what you get with uh, Noah Gregson. You get the whole bit with him. The rest of the team has definitely not had a, a great year, been struggling Allgaier has been up front a lot and has had bad luck. And then, you know, other things he gets into, argy-bargy with with uh, A.J. Allmendinger at Daytona, which was something. And then uh, he he goes and finally gets a win at one of his better racetracks. He's always been great on concrete tracks, going all the way back to his Penske days, winning his first Xfinity race in the 12 car. Uh, back then for Penske when he had Keselowski driving uh, there too. So it, it, he's always been good at these concrete tracks. It's a good win, a good drive, good uh, uh, points. Everything is a positive there for Allgaier, something that they needed going into this playoff. Um, they are definitely a factor 
relative to, I mean, Briscoe, Sindrick, we're going to talk about Briscoe in, in a little bit. Sindrick has, for the last, has pulled something out of his behind for the last six weeks or two months that he never has shown in a stock car. And it, it to go and go out there and do what he had to do uh, on Saturday, win that race, was a big deal uh, for the organization because the junior motorsports team is used to going out there and, and making the playoff and, to, and and not only making the playoff, but being in the final four, that race, that performance that he had on, on Saturday, basically maxing out points wise, almost getting a max like Harvick did uh, yesterday was, was a big points uh, in, in a big moment for, the seven teams. So uh, good on Justin Allgaier beating Sindrick, Chastain there getting a solid run, having a great weekend in general. Uh, a lot of those uh, guys that are going to be in this championship battle were up there uh, on uh, Saturday, but uh, Allgaier definitely was one that stood out the most. Yeah, no, no there's no question. And, and I think uh, when you look at the weekend as a whole, and, and you mentioned on Sunday, uh, there was another race, and it was won by Chase Briscoe, who did a great job. Uh, and, again, he was one of those guys, and I, I don't know if it was just Stuart Haas in general, but you can put time into Harvick as well, where he was one of those guys who his car wasn't handling that great on on Saturday. They made a few changes, and, bam, it took off on Sunday. Uh, and I love that. I just think that's such a cool thing, you know, um, to watch somebody sort of, you know, not, not get it, and they go back and they say, listen, here's what I need. And Nikuchi says, okay, here's what we can do to fix that. And sure, sure enough, they go out there and, and, and capitalize on it. Um, Briscoe did a great job. Uh, but I think the weekend for me, you know, Allgaier was, was huge. But, you know, Ross Chastain just being so close. He had a really fast car on, on Saturday and another really fast car uh, on Sunday. Didn't lead a lot, but was a guy who could uh, run run – a group down and he was good on a longer run and you know he's just right there and he was a guy we talked about early in this year i think a lot of people had him pick to win the championship i'm not sure colleague is there to win a championship just yet um but certainly a a nice to get some momentum here as the playoffs are nearing for the 600 series uh nice to get some momentum here um anybody else that really stood out to you philip from this weekend in the xfinity series uh, you know, Daniel Hemrick had a really solid run as well. He finished fifth on Sunday. Um, you know, Jeb Burton was seventh in that car on Saturday. So they had to come from all the way in the rear to, to really uh, get to the front there for Hemrick. So that was a nice run for him. Uh, we talked about Cindric, a guy who just is consistent, as consistent can be. Second on Saturday, third on Sunday. A nice job by him. Um, who? Anybody else that really kind of stood out to you? The playoffs are sort of, you know, uh, anticlimactic there, you know, really what, what Clements needs to do is figure out a way to, to get a win this weekend, and maybe he can get in or somebody behind the top uh, 12 in points here in Xfinity, but anybody stood out to you in the Xfinity series this weekend at Dover, Phillip? The the guys that uh, we, that won, obviously, I think were the, uh, is the easy answer. I'll, I'll go out to that bubble. You talked about Jeremy Clements who has to back in uh, like some of the people we talked about in the Cup Series, uh, he's had a really solid year relative to some of the years he's been in this series. He's been there for about 100. And 
for for Brandon Brown, who's a relatively new organization, and they're definitely punching above where they've ever been. And he's got 25, he's got 31 points on Jeremy Clemens. It's basically right now between those two, uh, C can't have a huge loss, but even if he has a huge loss, he's basically at the same points total as Brandon Brown. It, it's going to take a miracle for anybody basically outside of the top 10 to win that race. Uh, but Clemens probably would be the one, I think. Uh, you know, Alex LeBay ran out front in February, but it wasn't like they were really amazingly fast. It was field strategy and all. Uh, but I think Brandon Brown's performance this weekend, running up front, uh, you know, the our motorsports team with Brett Moffitt as well, those are two cars, but Brandon Brown was running the full season. A uh, good deal, good uh, small team. And uh, for them to make the playoff is going to be huge for sponsorship opportunities, for them to get a little more exposure than they usually get in regular races. Because obviously between both Fox and NBC, they don't know how to cover anybody that isn't leading. Um, So it'll be nice to get Brandon Brown on TV, get him some interviews and uh, possibly more than likely he's going to be in. So and even if he doesn't, I think he's still going to get more more attention than he would have ever had uh, before this year. I think that's the one I would say for sure. That's a great pick because uh, there was times where he stood out, stayed out on old tires uh, on one of the pit stops, and, and his car was loose as can be. And man, he hung on to it, man. He, he and he raced his guts out. I mean, you got to give him. A, I give him a lot of credit there. And, and obviously, that team's not. You know, they're going against. Uh, you know, uh, Junior Motorsports, which has basically got a lot of support from Hendrick, Stuart Haas, uh, Team Penske, you know, so they're going against big-time cup teams, and uh, it's not easy. You know, Colick's got a real tough, real tight relationship with Richard Childress Racing. Childress has an Xfinity Series program, so um, they for them to go out there and compete the way they did, and, and he ran his guts out, man. I give him a lot of credit, um, especially when he was out on old tires. It could get ugly for a lot of people when they were out on old tires and for him to go out there and, and compete the way he did, it was very, very impressive. Now for Xfinity, if you're cu- curious, um, their playoffs begin at Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. So they have Daytona this weekend, then Darlington, then a doubleheader weekend at Richmond and then Bristol that will end their regular season. And then they go to Vegas, Talladega and Charlotte for race one. That's uh, I believe that's a role for them. Then it's Kansas, Texas and Martinsville in round two, and of course the, the season finale um, at Phoenix Raceway. That is for the uh, Xfinity Series um, this weekend. Or yeah, it's for the Xfinity Series. They go to Daytona this weekend. So if you're um, wondering where the Xfinity Series is going to be, they're going to be at Daytona with the Cup Series doubleheader weekend. But there's also a doubleheader weekend uh, at Wide World Technology Speedway, better known to race fans at, as Gateway. Uh, and the truck series and Xfinity going to, or truck series and Arctic, excuse me, are going to go there. Um, but the KDI Office Technology 200 truck series race from Dover, it was won by Zane Smith, Matt Crafton finished second, Brett Moffat third, Todd Gilland fourth, and Ben Rhodes fifth. Spencer, um, you know, we talk a lot on the show about the truck series. It's a series that that we we all love so much because it brings on uh, a lot of. Um, it's really an exciting series to watch. 
Uh, but Zane Smith, a kid who's really coming into his own this year. Last year went to Junior Motorsports and Xfinity. Felt like he was a little bit over his head at times last year, and he only had a part-time deal in that car. But for him to come down and to Xfinity and GMS Racing's really taken off, uh, that was a huge win for him on Friday. Yeah, he's uh, Zane Smith has a lot of talent. Um, he's young, so uh, he doesn't need to be rushed. But I think you know him going to the Xfinity Series, that he was a little rushed. Um, didn't run bad, wrecked quite often. Um, but now that he's in the truck series, he's, he won at, uh, Michigan and then, uh, went to Daytona. Um, I tell you what, he couldn't make the first turn at Daytona to save his life. And I was sitting right in front of it. Um, so he needs to work on turn one of the road course at Daytona, but no, to go to Dover and, you know, two wins in three weeks, you can't, you know, you know, that's, you can't ask for much, much more than that really, um, with how hard this sport is. Um, but GMS is start, you know, that 21 team is really starting to look good. Uh, you know, I think he is a threat for to go far in the playoffs. He's with a good team. Um, and GMS knows how to win in the truck series. And, uh, so for Zane Smith, you know, that's a confidence builder. You know, he, he, you know, he was crying on the front stretch at Michigan, you know, saying he doesn't come from money and he's, you know, he's very, you know, he's very, um, humble of where he comes from and the ride he has. So, He's just a good, a good young kid that can drive, and um, you know, happy to see him finally win and succeed in you know one of the top levels in NASCAR. And but I think he's uh, he's going to be all right. I think he's kind of can really go through the playoffs, and he, who knows, could be a threat win championship. Yeah, listen, there's no doubt right now. I think for everybody who's you know watched the Truck Series or, or paid attention to it here um, in 2020, just how good there to me. There's really two teams that have especially recently that have really um, stood out above the rest. And surprisingly, it's not Kyle Busch Motorsports. We'll get to them in a little bit here. But uh, GMS has really been strong. I mean, Moffitt's done everything but win. Uh, we saw Sheldon Creed win a couple of weeks ago at Daytona. Zane Smith's won a lot of races. Ankrum's been really, really good. And ba- Moffitt's been great. Um, and they just, you know, put their focus this year on the truck series, shut down their Xfinity Series program, said we're going to go truck racing, Mike Beam, who's a longtime crew chief, I mean, Mike Beam goes all the way back to the 80s with Richard Petty, Motor, with, uh, Petty Enterprises. I mean, he goes way, way back. And, uh, you know, he, he's leading that operation. They do a great job over there. And the other team I've really been surprised, been puzzled surprised to see, and has really run good here, Philip, is uh, Thor Sport Racing. You know, they got Crafton, who, who won uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's been strong. We've seen um, uh, Enfinger. Won a couple of races this year. Now, Sauter's outside the playoffs right now, but Rhodes has been very consistent. But, you know, when you look at, at Thorsport, a second, fifth, and sixth place run at Dover really needed a solid day. Um, it might be too little too late for Sauter, uh, but Thorsport and GMS to me right now, Philip, are the two teams that are really sticking out uh, in the truck series. Yeah, when we were talking about Kraft and he hadn't won in years, and he's been there forever and he goes out there and wins that race at Michigan, and it, it changes the narrative for them. For him, multiple three-time Truck Series champion, defending champion without winning a race last year, getting that championship. Now he goes in there, albeit GMS is definitely ahead of Thor Sport performance-wise. You look at Grand Enfinger, it's literally feast or famine for him. He wins or it's just absolute crap. But Grand Enfinger knows how to win 
points championships. The truck series championship, I think, is a little bit more uh, points accumulation than it will be in the cup series. It's going to be more conservative, I would think, even with 10 drivers. Uh, but you look at Ben Rhodes for he's been there for a hundred years himself, and he they're running with all the Thor Sports sponsors. He he's been up there in points all year. Uh, he right now is fifth in points, and you have you have Enfinger up there, Crafton's in there as well. Uh, so Rhodes is the third best right now in terms of non-winners. And he's tied with Christian Eckes. So Thorsport definitely is is up there. They have a a great opportunity to contend for this championship. Can't forget, and in all of this, can't forget the fact that a one-truck team, a Toyota one-truck team, is leading the points pretty handily. Uh, But the two super teams in the truck series, which is uh, right, or I mean there's three, but really only two that are contending GMS and uh, Thor sport are the ones to watch as we move towards this uh, playoff here. Uh, whenever that could start for them. Yeah, it was started at Bristol uh, in a couple of weeks for them, but um, let me just say this about structure. You know, you brought up a good point about being a solo truck operation, Austin Hill. Uh, you're talking about with leading the points there. He's done a, a, a tremendous job this year. Uh, but there's a couple other guys who deserve some credit here. Both of these drivers are in, on teams that um, are in their first year, on the tr- full-time year in a truck series. One's Todd Gilland, who's currently uh, you know, only four points up on the driver I'm going to talk about again, who's Derek Krauss. And Krauss, if you're familiar with the West Series, had a nice career out in the West Series, came to the East Series, did well there as well. Now in the truck series, Bill McNally, they're a solo truck operation, definitely has some support from Toyota, but you know, quietly he's had a really solid year, and he deserves a lot of credit. That's not like, you know, going out there at Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, and having a big-time operation behind him, you know, who's got a lot of experience there. They've done a very, very good job in his first year, so he deserves a lot of credit. Um, I'm going to go to Kyle Busch Motorsports now, Spencer, before we move on. Um, are you surprised you haven't really seen that team? I guess this has done very, very well this year, but are you surprised you haven't seen uh, Lassard? a better performance from Lassard, and are you concerned about the longevity of that organization? You know, we've been, now it's been a couple of years here where we're starting to see this team go, you know, they're not great. Uh, last year they, they lost, a, um, a, you know, Todd Gilland, and uh, the year before even they weren't that great with Gregson and, and there. Um, are you concerned at all about Cobblish Motorsports and the longevity for them in this series? In a way, yes. In a way, no. And I'll go with the no is just because it's Kyle Bush and they got, um, you know, he really knows how to, he, he knows how to run that truck team um, because he knows what it takes. And, you know, they got Toyota and TRD fast race, you know, fast motors, great motors, um, great equipment over there. Um, but the problem I see is the way the Toyota development is going. You get these young, 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 like, Kids, I'm you know I'm I'm almost 22 in October and you got kids that are younger than me, um, getting in these trucks that do I don't know 180 100, 185 depending on where you go, and they're inexperienced and you know I don't care how good of a 
truck team you are. If the performances aren't there, um, you know, why pay big dollars to sponsor them when you can pay Front Row Motorsports maybe, I don't know, half the price that you're paying to get on a KBM truck and run five to six, maybe ten spots better than sometimes what these KBM trucks are running. Um, you know, I don't care if Kyle Busch owns it. You know, if your trucks aren't running up front, you know, and you're not performing up to par, why sponsor them? Because I can take my money somewhere else cheaper and get more exposure. You mentioned Todd. Todd has done a hell of a job in the 38 car uh, or truck, and I hope he wins in it. Um, that would be cool for Bob Jenkins and DGR Crosley um, since it's a combination there with Todd's father. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the. I think that's the KBM issue is the young talent from the Toyota development that they put in these trucks, they're just inexperienced, uh, and that's all there is to it. Because you get Kyle Busch in those trucks, and he's up front winning. So it's not the it's not the equipment. It's not you know it's, it's the talent, and um, I think that's the problem with the developments. It kind of you know it could eventually hurt KBM, um, and you know I don't know if you guys look at it that way, but uh, since you asked me the question, um, I was sitting there thinking about it, and that's really the main issue that I see. Yeah, I think the, or there's that's certainly a possibility. You know, when you look at it, uh, Philip was talking about Ben Rhodes being there 100 years and Crafton being in the truck series 100 years. You know, Thor Sport goes about it a different way. Um, they they are a truck series program only. So is Kyle Busch, but they're a truck series program only. They're there to win races and championships. Uh, same thing with GMS Racing. You know, they're they're a, you got, got a couple of young drivers over there, but they're a team that really looks out and tries to win a championship. Kyle Busch Motorsports tries to win a championship too, but we know that's a development deal for Toyota. We've seen a lot of Toyota drivers and young kids come up through that organization, um, and it's sort of a breeding ground for Toyota. So you bring up a very, very, very fair point. You know, you got guys who Lassard who making a transition into stock cars in the last couple of years. You know, doesn't have, he's only been running stock cars three or four years, and you got Matt Kraft who's been in the Truck Series fifteen. So it's a lot different, um, and and that's certainly something that that would help. And I think that's why you see these kids at Cobbush Motorsports usually get two years, and if they don't win after the second year, you start to hear them bark a little bit. Um, so we'll see. You know, you, you bring up a fair point. That's a fair point, but, you know, Harrison Burton goes to Xfinity, has a really good year this year, uh, and he wasn't great last year in the truck series for Cobbush Motorsports. So maybe there's a little bit of an overhaul. they got to figure out some things over there, uh, but I'm very curious. I don't think that team's going away anytime soon. I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm curious to see what goes on. Speaking of silly season, guys, that leads me next, into my next point. Uh, we saw some news this week about um, coming out. It was right before we went to Dover on Friday. It was speculated the day before. There were some rumblings. It's really been speculated here for a while, but it became official. Coyle Joy came out on his Twitter page and announced it that he will not return to the number 32 Go Fast Racing entry for the 2021 season. Um, and it really what that leaves is the question of Coyle Joy's future up in the air, as well as the question of who's going to drive the 32 car in 2021. So there's a two-part answer. We'll start with the first one first, Spencer. Then we'll go to Philip. Uh, what do you think about Coyle Joy leaving this 32 team? It sounded like it was sort of a mutual agreement. Um, he's run there the last two years, has really helped build his career. Um, what do you think about Coyle Joy leaving that 32 car? Um, there's two sides. I think it's 
a pretty bad decision on LaJoy's part because where the hell is he going to go? But if you're the team owner, you can get somebody in there that's better than LaJoy if you have better funding funding from SHR. Um, you know, you look at it, there's not a lot of places Corey, Corey LaJoy can go that is better than the 32. Um, you know, the way JTG Daughtery is ran, I wouldn't want to go there. Um, I don't think the 32 is ran all that bad for what who they are and what they got. Um, you know, I think LaJoy is a good driver. You know, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, they both have made Corey's a good driver. He's just been underfunded equipment. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know where he can go. So, um, you know, I don't see him going to the 48. He doesn't have money sponsor. He doesn't have a lot of, you know, big pockets out there funding him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tough. It's going to be really tough to see where everybody goes because um, you don't know if Priest is going to be a JT, JTG. Um, so, you know, if he if Priest announced that he wasn't going to be back, maybe that would be a possibility, but that seat's not open right now. So, um, it's you know, great question. It's just kind of hard to predict where he's going to go. Um, you know, yeah, you know, of course he wants a big ride, but the money and sponsorship just isn't there for LaJoy. And unfortunately, because I like Corey, so – um, but yeah, you know, this is a business at the end of the day, you got to bring money, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, he, we forget, but in the beginning of the year, when Jimmy Johnson announced his retirement over the off season, you know, Corey Joy wrote a letter to Rick Hendrick and said, basically, I, I want that 48 car if you can give him the opportunity. And I thought that was, you know, rather aggressive, but it was, it was cool to see because you sit, you get a guy who is really dedicated and say, listen, I don't want that that car now the 48 right now we're hearing a lot of different things um i don't think LaJoy's gonna get the 48 to be honest with you but um there's certainly some other possibilities out there if certain people if certain dominoes fall the, the way they want them to and i'm sure he wouldn't have left philip i don't think if he didn't have something in mind or close to in mind whether that's xfinity um a, a very good xfinity ride with junior motorsports running part-time there or full-time there or you know even somewhere else maybe the 98 uh, Xfinity Series program if Briscoe moves up, um, there's a lot of different pieces in there. But I don't think he would have left if if he didn't have anything. So, um, what are your thoughts on on Corey LaJoy leaving Philip? Um, what are your thoughts? You, you know this is a guy who I agree has a lot of talent. Won in, in lower divisions before in the East Series as a lot of skill. Really knows these race cars. What are your thoughts? I I mean, I would think that for Corey, the way he's hands-on and his ability to build a good race car, he worked with, uh, you know, the RPM. He was in that RPM, quote, development thing for many years. They were with the Rulo brothers, and he won an ARCA race at Pocono, I remember, and covered that. And he, he has the talent behind the wheel. And he can, and he's talked about it on his own show, uh, what his talent is when you, when it comes to people like Denny Hamlin crapping on him. Uh, it sounds like, and it looks like he's leaving on the basis of that the 37 car is going to open up, which is what it seems from what everything's come out as what is looking like is going to happen. Priest is going to go back to running mod mods up here and running sprints, midgets, whatever the heck he wants. Cause he's Ryan Priest and he's been good here and he's going to make a living. 
And it's unfortunate for him in a sense that this is how he's going to go out with such a horrible year. But for Ryan, for, for, for Corey LaJoy, it is it, honestly relative to what, you know, it, even if SHR were to make him basically the fifth car, that's really the only way where it really is a bad move uh, to me than, than to go to the 37. While the 37 has had a horrible year, uh, you know, Trent Owens is one of the best groups. We talked about it last year with Chris Buescher. I think you mentioned it, Clayton, I think every week for about four months how good that 37 car was running last year between Busher and and uh, Trent Owens. And he didn't get worse in a year or a few months. They, that team, I don't know what it is, but I think with time and they put a driver who's a hands-on guy, I think that combination of those two guys could really do something. Is it going to mean that they're going to make the playoffs? No, I'm not saying that. But they can run up top 10. They can go and get top 15s consistently and possibly contend. Um, and and I think that's a good thing. And then if the 32 car were to get basically become that fifth uh, SHR car akin to the Levine car or whoever Joe Gibbs wants to run out of business. It sounds like he's going to run, try to run another team out of business, but they're going to they're end up having two cars. Um, then I guess a certain guy who's winning a lot of dirt track races might end up uh, coming back and, and running in the cup series. I think if uh, that's the case. Yeah, that sort of leads you to the next point. But I want to discuss LaJoy quick here um, on my opinion about him. Again, you know, I think he's a, a really, really good race car driver. Um, I do think the 37 is a possibility. I, I have this feeling um, that's where he's going now. I wish Ryan Priest all the best. And, and listen, let me just say, you hit the nail on the head, Philip. I mean, last year, that 37 car, I think it was like 15 or 16 straight top 20 finishes. Um, and it seems like that's been a really, really big chore for them this year to do that. Again, now things have changed with COVID, no practice. Um, Priest changed crew chiefs, you know, and maybe it's a little bit unfair for him, but um, it's been significantly different in that 37 car. And I think Priest is a hell of a race car driver. I really do. He's got a ton of talent, and uh, it just didn't work. Whatever Whatever's going on this year has not worked yet. And maybe we'll see him peak at the end of the year and he can save his ride, but right now I think there's a lot of people disappointed over there. Um, and so that's why I think you could see uh, a, a move over in that 37 car. Um, but and, and listen, I wish LaJoy all the best. I think he's a great driver. Uh, but you've mentioned it. You know, this what we do know and what we speculated is that obviously where he's going to go. But what we do know is that the 32 car is open. Um, they're going to be around next year. There's no question that team's not shutting down. They have a charter. Um and they got seems to have pretty stable sponsorship there. They've really run this year a lot. You know, we used to see that car uh, bear at times or, or minimal sponsorship. You know, Go Fast has been around for a long time. Um, they started off as fast lane racing, if you remember, with Frankie Stoddard owning the team. Stoddard's still there with Archie St. Hilaire, but uh, it's grown it's grown significantly over the last couple of years. And now they've got a relationship with Stewart House Racing. Could we see that relationship? grow that is certainly something but what do you think about the prospects out of 32 here spencer um you know there's a lot of options they can go 
you know, right now you look at, at Stuart Haas, they got a pretty full plate. Now there's, um, you know, Custer's not going anywhere. They'd be, I mean, Harvick's not going anywhere. Um, and so, you know, I don't think Amarola's going anywhere. So that team's pretty full. Boyer, you know, it sounds like they kind of want to bring him back. Maybe, maybe not. That's sort of up in the air right now. But again, we do know the 32 is open. You got Chase Briscoe winning a lot of races in Xfinity, doing having a great year. And he's basically said that that 98 car um, might not be around next year. So, you know, you got to find a place for him as well. And of course, there's a Kyle Larson, which which Tony Stewart came to bat for uh, last week on, on the radio, and basically said, you know, he needs to be reinstated. It's time for NASCAR to get off their rear ends and, and reinstate the kid. Uh, he's paid his dues. So a lot of a lot of stuff to throw to put into consideration there. But what do you think about the 32, Spencer? Who do you think uh, could potentially get that ride? Well, you you named one good guy and. Um, Larson is a possibility, and I 100% agree with Tony Stewart. I'm not just saying that because I'm a fan. Um, he's he's he should have been reinstated a long time ago. Um, let's face it. Um, yeah, he shouldn't have said what he said, but it was a word, and he knows he messed up. And you're gonna, you know, that that's changed his his life, his family's life. Um, not that he's complaining. I saw a thing today where he's pocketed over eighty thousand dollars cash in the last four races or something. Um, that he's won. So he's, you can make a living dirt racing and that's where Kyle Larson comes from. And, you know, honestly, you know, he said he wants to come back to racing, but he, we all know his passion is with dirt. Everybody knows that people criticize him for it. Why are you a NASCAR if you don't love it? Um, he can make a beautiful living running dirt cars. Um, but he is, a you know, with that 32 team having a um, SHR Alliance, he is a possibility, but the problem is, will he have a sponsor? Um, Finley Farms, I don't know how big of a company that is or their funding, but they stuck with him through the dirt stuff. Maybe they can come over. Um, Plan B Sales announced when all this happened that they were not dropping Larson. They were going to keep him, um, and they've been on the wing, the top of the wing on his sprint car this year. So maybe they sponsor him in the club series um, because the 30, it won't be that expensive to sponsor Go Fast Racing as if it was, you know, Chip Ganassi racing. So he has a few sponsors that have stuck with him. It's the money aspect will like go cup racing. Um, and then, you know, you have Briscoe. Tony Stewart said on the Wall Trip Unfiltered podcast a couple of days ago that they're going to do what they have to do to get Briscoe in a car, in a cup car. So then you hear Tony say that. If Boyer's not leaving, well, then, you know, with that team being an SHR alliance, you know, it's, you know, Briscoe's his driver now, but, Tony loves Larson and he stuck up for him and told him to get off their ass and reinstate him. And, you know, you don't really know what side he wants to, um, to, uh, to go to, you know, he's going to bring, you know, he can lend Briscoe to the 32, get him a year of experience, bring him over when Boyer's done. And then, you know, he can work that way. So does he want to keep Briscoe in his stable? Yes. So, you know, it's a very, it's a very tough situation on who he would lean, uh, lean against, you know, because Briscoe is his longtime term. Um, you know, and that's going to be his driver for years to come. So, um, does he start working on his cup career now or get a guy in that he loves and are his great friends with on the dirt side? So it's hard to say. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see what goes on with this 32. How about you, Philip? I mean, again, there's a lot to, to dissect and, and there's certainly other rides open. If you're not familiar with 
what exactly is up to date in the uh, Cup Series. We know the 48 is going to be open, of course, with Jimmy Johnson retiring. The 42 sounds like it's going to be open. Matt Kenseth is not going to return. You know, we don't really know what's going on with Bubba Wallace. Bubba sounds like he has the 42 uh, a contract there. Uh, now, then it sounds like he might be ownership of the 43, and there's some things going on with maybe even Denny Hamlin and, and Michael Jordan even uh, being rumored to be owning uh, part of the 43 team, you know, going to Toyota to cooperation, a lot of stuff moving around, which we won't get to until it happens or close to it being happening. But um, so a lot of stuff going on there with the silly season, but how about this 32 car uh, for you, Philip? who do you think will drive this car? I mentioned Briscoe uh, right now. I think the, the two favorites are Briscoe and Larson. Is there anybody else you could see maybe going to that car? Or do you think it's Briscoe and Larson? No, I, I think that you guys already brought it up. It's it, I think it's pretty much a done deal in terms of who who are the likely candidates to go there. Um, but I, I I actually will bring up one uh, person that might be. Um, in play as well, and it's a guy who used to drive that car, and uh, with additional SHR support, who knows, uh, is Matt Benedetto, uh, because you let's let's go and take it under this pretense that Kyle Larson stays and does what he actually wants to do, which is drive dirt, and instead of cashing paychecks and running fifteenth every week, which is for a lot of, um, he was able to run up front at it at times and all and cup. And you could say it's because of equipment, this, any, anything. In the end, he's a dirt racer through and through. He loves dirt. He's got a 1.8 average on dirt for the last however many months. That's Steve Kinzer, Sammy Swindell territory. You should stay there. When you're cashing checks the way he is, it's not NASCAR money, but at the end of the day, I mean, I would hope that somebody in his family knows how to save some money for him and that he should be okay and be able to raise his kids and take care of his life and do that and do what he wants to do. I don't, I would love to believe that he's going to stay there. It sounds like he's going to come back. I don't really know why other than, I mean, I, I can, I know why I'm not going to go into the full details here. I, I don't want to really go that hardcore, but I think I honestly believe that Clint Boyer is going to be done uh, at the 14 car. And it's a case of which one of those two guys is Tony going to pick. Is he going to pick the guy who wants to be a dirt racer and has proven and has said time and time again when he when he puts his foot in his mouth, it, it's not about NASCAR for him. It's only about NASCAR now because he got you know fired and everything because of his his comments and the cash. It, it, he's a dirt racer. Or are you going to put the guy who's who's his heroes Tony Stewart? He's driven for Ford for all these years. He's won him an ARCA championship. He's trying to win him an Xfinity title all these things and and he's got he comes from a family that's a USAC racers. He his dad's a USAC driver. Which which one? The guy who's Tony who Tony's here is his hero 
Are you going to put the guy he's, he should have hired all those years ago, but he didn't have an Xfinity program? That's the argument in terms of who's going to go there. I think D. Benedetto is in play for the 32 again. Um, you know, I, I think also you have to look at some of the things that the owner is into and how that may affect uh, some of the drivers uh, in terms of who they can get. But I, it's going to but probably be between one of those three drivers uh, going into 2021. Yeah, listen, that's a fair point. Another guy I think might, might be an outside shot, uh, maybe John Hunter Nemechek, if, you know, uh, all things go right. But I definitely think you, you hit the nail on the head, Philip. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think Boris done a, listen, I think Boris done better than I, I expected him to in F14, especially recently. I mean, he really – he was another guy – was sort of on the on the cusp there at Dover, um, as far as the playoffs were concerned, and for him to go out there and run the way he did, really performed pretty well at Dover. Did very very well, especially on Saturday, um, and got himself into a pretty good spot. Now he basically needs to fire his engine, and he'll be uh, pretty much locked into the playoffs um, at Daytona. But so that, that's a good. You know, listen, that's pretty good. Um, now. The problem is you got Briscoe's a young kid. You need to find him a ride, and maybe Larson out there. Certainly something to look at. But it's gonna be fascinating to see. And we'll cover this. And the silly season, I have a feeling, is gonna really pick up here in the next six to eight weeks um, as the season comes starts to wind down. As playoffs, you know, start to uh, you know, as people start to figure out the playoffs. I mean, Benedetto was on Sirius this weekend on Sunday and basically said that I haven't had any discussions yet. As far as my future is concerned, we're, we've been 100% focused on the competition side of things on the 21 car because we have to get into the playoffs. So um, when you look at it from that standpoint, you go, that makes a lot of sense. So once the playoffs are figured out whether he makes it in or not, uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll hash out 2021 and things will start to really get nailed down here and we'll really have a good idea uh, in the next six to eight weeks. But I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Talking in circles. Uh, I will not be around here next week. Um, got a, got so, something I got to do, so um, we will take the week off. You might see some content, a uh, little here and there content for me, uh, just on thoughts, you know, throughout the week. But um, no show next week. But we'll be back here on a couple of weeks here on Talking Circles. So I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see you next time. Good night.